All right, everybody, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to be back at it here. Unfortunately, the Denver Nuggets lost on Tuesday night, the final score of that 116-103 to the LA Clippers preseason game. Starters didn't play. Not really concerned about anything that I actually saw, and there's more of just, I think, points that, that you can make about stuff like this. And we will go over those in just a bit. A uh, couple changes to pickaxe and roll. As you can tell right now, I'm recording this ahead of time. There are a couple of reasons why. One of the reasons being uh, the last live stream that I tried to record. Uh, I failed miserably because of the actual camera that I was using. That could change in the near future here, but I think I think the plan is going to be, if you're listening to this on YouTube, that I am most likely going to be recording these offline and then uploading them after the fact. Gives me a little bit more flexibility, especially when I go to the arena and not trying to go live at midnight or 1am or things like that, where I'm also kind of doing the production and things of that nature. I'm trying to simplify things, trying to streamline things, and we will talk about that. Um, over. Like If you have any questions, then comment them down below on the YouTube side of things. If you're listening on the audio, it doesn't really change anything for you at all, but just wanted to keep everybody appraised. Also, you can tell I am using a different camera setup, and it does. I, it's, it's, I look like I'm taller here. Uh, you can see if you're watching, put that in your pipe and smoke it shirt from Michael Malone, uh, which is a, a good shout from the parade. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm using a, a camera that's a little bit lesser quality. So hopefully things will be cleared up a little bit better in the coming days. Uh, and also I've got to record stuff for the Alley Oop podcast, which if you haven't heard, I'm doing stuff for a, a national podcast now. So there are things in the works, folks. Things are kind of changing. Things are, are, are shifting a little bit. And my coverage will look a little bit different, but the vast majority of the content is going to be the same. And we could talk about that in a game like tonight as well. On this episode, going to do three segments, going to do uh, talk about the Nuggets resting the starters and what the bench looked like. We'll do an updated stock watch four games out of five in the preseason over with. And then I'm going to talk about Calvin Booth's comments that he made on the broadcast tonight and sort of how that... Uh, sort of, it doesn't really change anything for Denver, but I don't think it made things better. That's for sure. Uh, I think the intention was to make things better or to clarify things. And unfortunately, I think those comments kind of made things worse. So we will talk about that in the moment. Uh, but for now, let's talk about the game. Clippers basically played everybody. The only guy that didn't really play for the Clippers was Mason Plumley. He was, uh, he's, he's got a injury that he's dealing with a nagging thing. But the projected starters for the Clippers, or at least who we, we think will should be the starters, they played. And that lineup did really well for the Clippers, namely Paul George and Davica Zubac. Those guys were spectacular in this one. Zubac outplayed DeAndre Jordan pretty thoroughly. And Paul George, just whoever he was lined up against, he scored continuously. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough matchup for a team like Denver. But in a game where you have... Julian Strother, Justin Holiday, Peyton Watson on the floor. Denver still didn't really find ways to collect a guy like uh, 
Paul George, and he took advantage of a lot of different matchups, matched up against Reggie Jackson and scored on him, matched up against Hunter Tyson off the bench and scored on him. Paul George had 23 points in 18 minutes and was 9 of 13 from the field, 1 of 1 from 3 and 4 of 4 from the line. He was fantastic tonight. And I know people aren't going to want to hear it because Denver's starters didn't play, but this is that kind of matchup where a guy like Paul George is going to excel and these are kind the kinds of lineups, maybe not the entire starting unit on the other side, but stars stagger around the league. A lot of other teams, not necessarily Denver as often, but a lot of other teams will stagger their second star. And Kawhi is the first star. He'll play the normal minutes. Paul George, he'll, he'll come in with the second unit a lot of the time, and he'll play a lot of those minutes. And if Denver's unable to find ways to stop a player like that, then that could be an issue. Now, Denver didn't have uh, Aaron Gordon or KCP or Christian Brown at their disposal tonight, so something to monitor. But of the guys that did play, namely Justin Holiday, Peyton Watson, Julian Strother, nobody could really get a, a handle on Paul George. And that's at least something to monitor heading into the regular season. Other couple of points that I should make about the bench lineup, or like the starting group here, DeAndre Jordan started. He was a minus 17 in 21 minutes. Wasn't all his fault. He, he had a lot of good production. Eight points, nine rebounds, four assists, two steals. He did have five turnovers, and there were a lot of plays on the defensive end that he kind of missed a he missed an opportunity to affect a shot, or he was out physical by a guy like Ivisa Zubac and uh Zubach collected his only offensive rebound, actually, but it was a pretty loud one. And then down on the other end, there were just a couple times where uh, Zubach really bothered a guy like Jordan. So not necessarily the greatest audition for DeAndre Jordan in that role, uh, but off the bench, Zeke Naji didn't exactly fare better as a as a center option in this one. He actually has had good games against the Clippers in the past, especially coming off the bench. Didn't really have one tonight. Uh, though he was only a minus two, uh, not necessarily the the best minutes from him either. Two defensive rebounds in 22 minutes is not good enough. Uh, and then the shooting around the rim, the scoring around the rim, was a pretty big weakness. And if Zeke is going to be that DHO guy, he has to occasionally look at the rim at times. He did go three of nine and did go five of five at the at the line. So that's a good sign. And maybe this was just a bad shooting night for him and you can, can figure it out. Only attempted one three, though. And that's one where if he is going up against a seven-footer, the benefit of playing Zeke Nagy on the offensive end should be that he spaces people out and can hit threes. Hasn't really hit the three in the preseason so far. I think he's only made one, if I'm mistaken. So, And he's not really taking a ton of them either, so... That is a that is a not not a great thing for Denver from uh, the perspective of thinking that Zeke is going to be a guy that can really help them too much. Uh, maybe Jamal Murray helps them if if they run just traditional pick and roll. Maybe Jamal Murray is best with DeAndre Jordan. We just don't really know. Uh, haven't haven't seen a ton of either of those combinations, but the Jamal Zeke duo looked pretty good. Uh, not necessarily great. I do think that that's something that I'm going to be monitoring for the rest of the the rest of the preseason and into the regular season though because 
this battle between Zeke and DeAndre, it's not going to be solved uh, by game one. Like, it's just not. Nobody has solidified anything in this matchup. So I would at least watch out for that and think that that is at least a, a minor concern for Denver heading into the regular season. Julian Strother kind of came back down to earth in this particular game, 3 of 11 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3. He started off pretty well, and I thought that he played and just kind of read the floor extremely well. Among all of Denver's starters, Strother was a minus 3. Everybody else was a double-digit negative. So maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's something to that actual rotation that should be taken into account. I'm not sure. I think that how he has played has been good. He just didn't really make the shots tonight. I'm not really concerned about that. And defensively, like I know what I said about Paul George specifically, but with Strother, if he's the weak link on the defense, then your your link is pretty good. Like your your chain is pretty good for your your defensive stuff. So I think that he is not the weak link right now. There are other guys that are struggling a little bit more. Zeke had a bad defensive game tonight, and uh, Peyton Watson even not necessarily a great defensive game from him. So. There's more to it. Uh, Hunter Tyson also taken advantage of a little bit defensively. So there's there's stuff to this. There's there's layers to this. But I think Strother, 27 minutes tonight, he was fine. It didn't shoot the ball super efficiently, but found other ways to impact a little bit. Two assists, one steal, only one turnover. And on a night where Denver really struggled offensively, I think that they were at their best when he was on the floor. So... We'll see what happens. I'm curious to see if Denver goes into a dress rehearsal mode on Thursday, then I am very curious to see what happens and whether Julian Strother can kind of take advantage of that and whether he's going to be in the rotation or not. Uh, I would love to see it. I have not been impressed with Justin Holiday. Thought that I would be, but there have been too many one of six from the field, one of four games from three. And that's not good enough because he's just got to be able to make shots. Like if you are consistently shooting below average and that is like the only offensive contribution you really make, then that's a problem. And at least with Julian, the opponent is going to thoroughly respect what he does on the offensive end. And Justin's been fine defensively, but he hasn't been that much better. And if that's the case, then that's like, I'm, I'm okay with it. There was a bad misread that Strother had on a, on a defensive assignment between him and Reggie where the communication wasn't good and Strother just did not jump out at the three-point shooter that he was supposed to. So he's going to make some rookie mistakes here or there. I do think that the benefits outweigh the detriments, though. I think that he's still the guy that you want to go with. So we will see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about, um, we'll, we'll do a little bit of stock watch, but we're also going to chat about uh, the rest of this game. Well, well I want to go into more depth on Hunter Tyson and Braxton Key, especially. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Why would you bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, why don't you try your hand with the local book? Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. They're just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas. 
making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up, deposit, and wager all in the same day. So make sure to go download that Superbook Sports app. Use that promo code MILEHIGH this football season. You got to make sure to use the promo code MILEHIGH and sign up and visit Superbook.com. Four terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, it'd be great to subscribe to this show, uh, but also if you could subscribe to The Alley Oop on uh, The Alley Oop with Ryan Blackburn on both YouTube and like go give me a rating and review on, on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to share out the podcast. And it's the best thing that I've found to help get Pickaxe and Roll off the map. So hopefully people are excited for that. I know that this is a it's a tough venture for me to try to crack the national media, so we will we will see what happens there, but hopefully everybody is excited. All right, let's get back to it. Let's talk about, I said, Hunter Tyson and Braxton Key. I didn't really have anything on Reggie. Reggie was fine. He was efficient, and he has been relatively efficient as a scorer thus far. I'm not sure he's really helped. One assist tonight, zero turnovers is fine. Uh, but it just hasn't felt like the offense has flowed very well when he's out there making the decisions. And part of that is a tough assignment when you're going up against the Clippers and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are taking turns guarding you. Or Nicholas Batum, who's a great defensive guard. Or Terrence Mann or somebody like that. So it's tough. And I don't want to, I don't want to put too much pressure on Reggie, but he also needs to stay involved and set the table for other guys a little bit better. Denver as a team had 23 assists tonight. Only one of them came from Reggie and a whole bunch came from the bench lineups while they were out there. So like I'm looking at five, seven, 12 assists came from the bench, which is not a number that you're supposed to see. Like you're supposed to see probably about 70% of the assists come from the starters because they, that's how much they play. Now, Reggie didn't play as much as a normal starter, but he did play 22 minutes. He should probably have one assist, more than one assist. Braxton Key actually showed some good things. I think that this is a good matchup for him because he's about the same size as the Clippers guys, and he does a good job of attacking the switch defense. One of the things that I noticed from him was that on the dribble handoffs, he would fake the dribble handoff, and then he would change direction, which when you're dealing with a switching defense, the thing that... I think causes more confusion is when you can get those uh, the slip cuts, you can get the changes of direction, you get things that the defense is not really accounting for. And if Braxton Key is the guy that's changing direction and shifting, there's no real help behind in order to help uh, when he gets and when he gets by his own man. So that's an important aspect of this, and I thought he did pretty well. 14 points, 10 rebounds, 5 of 7 from the field, 4 of 5 from the line. Also had a couple blocks. He was a plus 3 in tonight's game. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good sign, I think, for a two-way contract guy in Braxton Key. Not sure how much he's actually going to play, but it's 
kind of it's interesting. It's at least interesting to think about. Is he going to be a potential option for Denver? Where one of Denver's biggest weaknesses is that they probably don't have enough six foot eight, six foot nine power forward type guys off the bench now that Vlaco is injured and Jeff Green is gone. Uh, maybe Braxton Key could step up into some of those minutes, at least temporarily, if, if and especially if there was an injury to somebody like Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. So something to think about for sure. And now Hunter Tyson, 19 points in 27 minutes, 6 of 12 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. I thought he looked a lot more comfortable on the offensive end. There were multiple times where he just didn't know what the shot clock situation was and then fired up a late shot at the buzzer that had no prayer of actually going in. If you cut out those attempts, he's 6 of 10, and like that's a pretty good number to have. And he got to the free throw line four times. He made three of seven threes. That's a really efficient stat line for a guy like Hunter Tyson, where some of that stuff was off the dribble. Some of that stuff was in transition. Most of it was kind of like catch and shoot. You're being fed the opportunity kind of stuff, but that's fine. Like you need guys who can do that. So I wonder if he could line up and and do some of that going forward for Denver. And I think that there's definitely a market for it. There's definitely something that he could do. Like I said, six foot eight, six foot nine guys. Hunter Tyson is kind of like the only one right now off the bench because of like if Black goes out and Jeff Green's gone, there's not a lot of other options outside of maybe Braxton Key, like I mentioned. So I'm intrigued. He did struggle defensively, and I want to hammer that point home. There were a lot of possessions where the Clippers looked up and saw Hunter Tyson in front of them and were like, cool, we're going to get a shot. We're going to get a shot that we like. And whether it was Terrence Mann attacking him on a switch, whether it was Paul George staring him down and shooting over the top of him, whether it's been, sometimes it's been guys that have gone right by him where he doesn't respect their speed and then they outquick him. Most of the time it's him backing up too much because he doesn't trust his own foot speed in order to actually keep in front of guys. And I think that that's an issue. I think that's something that he's going to have to improve on. And it's something that he may not be able to improve on at the NBA level, because that's one thing that I noticed at the at the college level and the summer league level. He's not the most tremendous athlete. He's not the quickest guy going from point A to point B and back again, especially laterally. And he's not like that. That's not why the Nuggets drafted him. They drafted him because of his shooting. They drafted him because he has more skills than I think he was given credit for at Clemson. And he is a guy who competes, and they like guys who compete. I think that Hunter's going to give them everything that they want from an effort perspective. It might be not enough, especially in a playoff setting where teams are like, ah, I don't know, like we could just attack that guy. And hypothetically, let's say you match up with the Boston Celtics in the playoffs. Can you really play Hunter Tyson in a matchup where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to go directly at him. That's a tough place for any rookie to be. So, look, that's that's thinking way far ahead. But this team has designs on the playoffs, and that's where the ultimate goal is. So, right now, I think if I was to do a stock up, stock down, stock down on Denver's bench front court, because I don't know if there's a guy that I really trust in that group right now that should play day one. So let's transition into that. Updated stock watch for this season. 
the bench front court, and these guys I'm talking about, Zeke Naji, DeAndre Jordan, um, will go Peyton Watson, Hunter Tyson. Those are the four that have really played the most minutes. And I think when I think about that group, I think there's at least a strong possibility that Justin Holiday slides to the four or Julian Strother slides to the three or even the four in second units or Denver staggers and they have to play Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter or play Jokic extra minutes. And that's just not something that you want to do. I'm a little bit concerned. I'm a little bit concerned that Denver Jokic is going to be fine. Like he, he'll play however many minutes the Nuggets want them to play and he'll get into good shape. And that's not going to be an issue for me. Like I, I think that he's the best player in the world. You're going to want him to play as many minutes as possible because that really helps. But as we saw in the 2021-22 season, and even in the season before that, if he has to carry a heavy burden, he's going to get tired. He's going to get pretty tired pretty fast. And you want him as fresh for the playoffs as possible. So Denver might just have to eat. Like, like if, if Jokic plays 33 minutes a game, something like that, they might have to eat 15 minutes and say, look, we're not going to really be able to save it that much. We'll try different combinations of guys. But if I'm being honest, I think that there's a strong possibility that Denver makes a move, whether it's a free agency signing, a, an injured player exception for Vlako Chanchar, or if like there, there's, there's just other things that I think that they could do to provide a little bit more stability. And DeAndre doesn't look like the answer as a traditional backup five. Zeke... I think he's probably as close to the answer as they have in that backup front court. But it's not like a confident thing. And games like tonight are ones where, hey, he kind of loses a little bit of confidence. They called a couple plays for him late to make sure that he, he got some buckets. And he went from one of seven to three of nine, and that was fine. But like, if Denver has to ask him to do a little bit more, or if, if he's just not really going to shoot and he's going to shoot like 25% from three on one attempt a game again, that's a problem. Like that's just not showing the right development. And if that's the case, then Denver doesn't have a ton of other options because Vlatko is the guy that I thought that they would play as their seventh or eighth man this year. And he's just not available. So going to be tough. Going to be tough. Peyton Watson, five of 15 in this past game. And, Minus 20. And it's just the feel with him. There's not a lot of great feel for when he is supposed to attack and when he is supposed to play his role. And the defense, we're, we're still waiting on some of that impact a little bit. Four steals tonight. I don't want to bemoan that because like, if I go back and watch the film, maybe there will be something that I didn't notice live that he actually did pretty well. But I'm still kind of waiting for the game where, oh yeah, he was plus 15, he was making impact plays left and right, the Nuggets were feeding off of his energy, and they really took it to the other team's bench because of Peyton Watson. Still waiting for that. And it might come. Like I, I don't wanna I don't want to say that it can't, but I do think we might have to be patient because to me this feels like hey, that game could come every one or one of five games. Every fifth game or so, Peyton Watson will do stuff. And if they have to wait 
for the other four, then it's not great. So stock down on the on the bench front court. I still want to say stock up on Julian Strother overall. Like, didn't shoot well tonight, but he still has done so much over the course of this last week and a half or so that I've been so impressed with. So stock up for me. He reads the court extremely well, and that's what the Nuggets need, especially when they play him with Jokic. So should be good. I have fewer concerns with him than I ever thought I would. Um, stock down on Justin Holiday. Did not think, like, I, I thought that he would get his three-pointer to go a little bit. He is a 3-and-D guy, and the defense has been fine. It has not been spectacular, and the offense hasn't really been there. So he will have to figure out, and this was actually a good opportunity for him to figure out how does he fit in with the bench unit because this is kind of like what should happen during the regular season when Michael Porter Jr. comes back. So I, I don't know, like, Stock down in general, like I think it has to be. It could go back to stock up, but like him and Reggie didn't really have that connection that I thought that they might. And I thought that they would be able to set each other up a little bit more than they have. So we'll see. Uh, Outside of those guys, Jalen Pickett, another like one guy that I didn't really mention tonight. He looks small out there. Four fouls in 20 minutes, one of four from the field, 0 of two from three. Did have three assists to one turnover, so there's something there. But, like, I I heard Adam make this point on one of his shows earlier this week. He just doesn't take a lot of risks. And with him, the bench lineup, like, the bench offense is going to struggle if he doesn't push the pace, if he doesn't take charge, if he doesn't, like, make plays because if he is just out there kind of dribbling into nowhere the 24 second shot clock is not going to be Denver's friend and they had a lot of situations tonight where they ran out that thing because they couldn't really get anywhere so I I, I'll say stock relatively even because I'm not like this is kind of what I expected from him but this is part of the growing pains so he's gonna have to figure it out and I think he will but it, it could take some time so we'll just have to see what he does. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about uh, Calvin Booth's comments that he met, that he meant on, or maybe meant or said. Those could be different things on the broadcast tonight. But first, this message from Scott to Huff. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Um, let's talk about Calvin. Let's talk about what happened tonight. So if you don't know, let me keep you informed here. Calvin Booth did an article with The Ringer, uh, with Kevin O'Connor over at The Ringer, over the and they released over the course of these last few days. And in that article there were some comments made about Michael Porter Jr., Bones Highland, Bruce Brown, Peyton Watson, that were, when, especially when taken out of context, were pretty bad. They were, they were not good comments from Calvin Booth. And I was kind of surprised to see the comments that I did. 
I haven't really commented on this over the course of these last couple of days. I've been busy. There have been other things that are more important to me. But like this now became a story after Calvin Booth then addressed those comments on the broadcast on ESPN2. He talked to, I think, I think it's Dave Pash and uh, gosh, uh, it was actually Bob Myers, I'm pretty sure. So those two guys were on the broadcast on ESPN and Calvin Booth stopped by for a uh, preseason interview and he was talking about the team and very gracious with his time and it was nice to see that. And then right at the end of the interview, uh, I think it was Pash, he said uh, there were some there's an article put out there that had some comments. He just, he wanted to give Calvin an opportunity to see if he wanted to correct those comments a little bit. And Calvin, here's what he said. Uh, this is taken from Harrison Windover at DNVR. He did the annotation and I want to read it in full. Calvin Booth says this quote, under no circumstances would I make or approve of those kinds of comments for public consumption. It's not my character as a person or executive, and I think it's an unfair characterization of Michael and Bones. I think Bones is a great kid, has a bright future ahead of him, a charismatic player in our game. And obviously, Michael is a core piece of our program with his character and offensive and defensive prowess. So I think that was so I think that was unfair for those things to be put out there, and hopefully it doesn't happen in the future. So a couple things. Um, Calvin Booth is not happy that the comments were out there in the ether. I don't know. I I assume that Kevin O'Connor got clearance to release all of the comments that he made for an interview specifically, where you're recording, you're talking to somebody, you're chatting about them, or you're chatting with them about whatever they're asking about, and proper decorum in any kind of reporting, uh, reporter versus uh, kind of, subject of the story situation is for the reporter to say, this is on the record, this is off the record, or kind of identify which of those things are which, when the line is drawn, things like that. I don't know if that line was crossed. I don't. I wasn't there. I can't tell you one way or the other. And I think it's important for us to kind of have an open mind on what actually happened and for a guy like Kevin O'Connor to get the opportunity to respond to comments like this. I haven't seen a response from KOC. I I haven't been paying attention. I'm recording this podcast. I have a job. Um, So there are other things that are kind of at stake here. And I don't want to just bemoan Kevin O'Connor as a reporter because he is a good reporter. He does good work. And I think that he is a professional who does things the right way and wouldn't put a general manager on blast with off-the-record comments that he then reports like attributed to a guy like him. That being said, it does seem like Calvin is pretty unhappy with the comments that were made privately or that he assumed were made privately that were then made public. These comments being about Mike and Bones kind of both being me first, no defense kind of guys, and that you could only have one of those guys on the roster, so that's why he had to trade Bones away basically. He also made comments about Peyton Watson versus Bruce Brown, where he basically said, uh, for teams that are acquiring Bruce Brown, be careful what you wish for uh, when when getting a guy like that, because a guy like Peyton Watson is bigger, he's a better passer, he's 
maybe not as good of an offensive player right now, but he's a better defensive player. And I thought that those were very frank comments and very direct and to the point comments. And now Calvin didn't address those ones specifically. But if I had to guess why he addressed the Mike versus Bones situation, it's because Mike got mad. It's because Mike probably is like, what the hell, dude? Why did you say that? Why would you say that about me? I hate that. I gave up so much of my like potential role to play a role for the team and to be a good soldier and be a good sport coming back from three different back surgeries. And like he improved as a defensive player. He did what he needed to do. And when Calvin says something like this quote, under no circumstances would I make or approve of those kinds of comments for public consumption, that doesn't really help that much because what it says is that he made the comments privately and that he didn't want them released. And yet, like, Mike is obviously still mad about them because why would he even say it privately? Why is he talking to reporters like that about his guy when Mike has done everything that Calvin and the team have asked of him to do? At least to my knowledge, I think he's been a great sport. I think he's, he's had a great attitude. He has turned over a new leaf. And this is the kind of thing that can either go like one of two ways. Maybe it just disappears tomorrow. Maybe this isn't a big deal. Maybe this is something that goes away and we do not think about it again because it doesn't matter again. And if everybody's an adult, everybody grows up, everybody says, look, past is the past. We care what's in front of us. We have an opportunity to win championships and be a dynasty. Things that Calvin Booth put on the record, by the way, and basically saying, yeah, we're, we're trying to win dynasties here. We're not just trying to win the next championship. We're trying to win three of the next six or four of the next eight. And when you say things like that, it puts a target on your back in so many ways. And the Nuggets may want a target on their back because they believe in themselves. But why would you do stuff like, just for the sake of it? You know, like it's it's not necessary. There's there's winning graciously. And they're saying like, I don't know. There's there's some things that I have a problem with, and I would tell Calvin this too. Like I, I think that he was wrong to, first of all, answer this question. He should not have answered this question on the air. He should have declined and said that, or he should have said, uh, I regret the comments, and it was wrong to say, and I already talked to Michael, and I would talk to Bones, and things like that. That's all he needed to say. And yet what this has done is make it worse. Now become block A in the in the news cycle. That's just, it's never where you want to be. The other way that this could go, if, if the first way is it gets swept under the rug and it's not a problem. The other way that this could go is this could create a fracture. Maybe it's a small crack now, but this is where it kind of starts. This is where things like that kind of start, where needling in a little bit about does this guy have my back or not? Does this guy really care? Does this guy really, and this is Calvin I'm talking about, who I think he obviously cares, but he, one of the attributes of Calvin that we have become accustomed to and I think is a good and valuable piece of this is that Calvin can separate 
his personal feelings with what he believes is the best thing for the team to win. It's why he was able to trade Will Barton. It's why he was able to let go of some other guys in order to make the right moves to help win the team the first championship. There's the other side of that, where the human aspect of it can catch up with you in the wrong situation. Like this, where if you bet on Michael Porter to be a good, consistent member of your team, and then that bet fails this time around, that could be a problem. Because here's the thing. The bet on Mike last year succeeded. It was great. Mike played fantastic all the way up into the finals where the shot disappeared. And there are a couple defensive concerns in the finals. But through the first three rounds, he was fantastic and and really capable on both ends of the floor. And so it's just kind of shocking to hear, you know. Now, I know that there's, there's some questions about the timing of when Calvin is referencing, like, Michael and Bones specifically. Like, it could have been a, hey, this is what we were thinking going into the season. And then Mike proved good things, and Bones did not. So they traded the one that did not kind of buy in. And that maybe that's all this is. But now Mike's going to be thinking about this. He's going to be thinking about it whether you like it or not. And he's going to be thinking about it whether you apologize or not. And he is a professional, and Mike, I think, has really grown up in this league and really become like a very interesting and thoughtful and charismatic interview and person. And that may all go away. That may all disappear like the minute he comes back. Somebody's going to ask him about it. He might be asked about it several times. And it might be me who asks him, like... Have those comments affected in any way? He'll say no, because that's what he does. That's what he's a professional. That's what he would do. But it may not. Like it, it, they may affect him. They may affect him. They may affect his thinking of whether the team as a whole backs him or not. And if that's the case, then it creates the seeds of doubt that Denver did not have last year. They were a tight knit group. A group that was like that pulled Mike in from where his place was as kind of a fringe member of the collective and a fringe member of the embodiment of the team. Michael became part of the team last year, like in a a full, real, authentic sense. And if that goes away, Denver's title chances take a hit. I'm sorry. Like Denver lost Bruce Brown already. They lost Jeff Green already. If you tell me that they lose Michael Porter, or, or at least the the sense of hustle and defensive commitments and willingness to fill the role def- on, on both ends of the floor, if they lose that version and they instead get a version that wants to get his numbers, then that is a problem. So this is something that the Nuggets have to address. If they let this fester, it is going to be an issue. And I do not want to be the one to have to talk about it. I want to talk about the winning titles. I don't want to talk about this again. So hopefully this doesn't become a thing. Hopefully this is the last time I have to say anything about it. But I do think that it's important to call a spade a spade. Calvin Booth screwed up with this. I think he screwed up. I think he was wrong. And I would tell him that too. And whether he likes to hear it or not, I think that he has to apologize. Or maybe he already has. 
Maybe he already has apologized to MPJ. But that bridge has to be mended again, and it's going to take time and effort. So we will see. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Not the best note to finish off on, but hopefully Denver kind of recovers a little bit on this upcoming Thursday game. This episode is going up on Wednesday morning. I will probably not talk to you again until Friday morning is my guess. Uh, I think that there are plenty of opportunities to talk after the next preseason game. And hopefully that is a full dress rehearsal for the team. So should be good. Really excited about it. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the support on the podcast. As always, leave a like, subscribe to the channel, and we'll talk to you guys very soon.